Is this just crazy talk? Is genuine love even possible in this messed up world? Only if a miracle happens. Pure love, real or fiction. Um, can anybody remember, we watched the, uh, the, the video just a few minutes ago, what their definition of love was. Does anybody remember? Like full bonus points if you can remember this. What, what did they say in the video, Dar? Love was taking action. Well, that was definitely part of it. That's part of the definition. Yeah. Caring. Okay. Just caring about what somebody else is wanting. Okay, so there, there was care in the definition. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm going for the exact definition that they gave. I, if anybody gets it, it'll be amazing. Go ahead. It's like a pizza slice. <laughs> Love is like a pizza slice? <laughs> hmm. Well, they did mention a pizza slice in the, in the video. Go ahead, Gemma. Okay, you're you're on it. Giving people stuff, even though you, they won't necessarily give you something back. That's yeah. definitely the heart of the uh, love. There. Okay, go ahead. Love yourself. Love your neighbors like you love yourself. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Yes, that second part of the commandment is in there for sure. Go ahead. Okay. Yep. Here, here it is. You guys, you guys basically have have given the definition. But here it is. What's that? You agape, agape love, <laughs> seeking the well-being of people other than self without expecting anything in return. That's what they said in the video, and I think they nailed it. Uh, seeking the well-being of people other than self without expecting anything in return. So the question, though, is this a can this be real in our life, or is this really a fiction, a fantasy? Can we really seek the well-being of people other than ourselves without expecting anything in return? Is that actually doable? That's the question we're going to try to answer today. Um, if it is real, if this is real then, that means that love does not exist for any ulterior motivation than the good of someone else. Love is not a means to an end. Uh, the, the whole idea of you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours is a phrase that is not in the repertoire of love. If you're interested in the well-being of another so they can, let's say, like you more, or so they can, or so you can get something from them, or so you can build your own reputation, then you actually don't love that person. That's quite a thought, right? If these motivations come into play in any way, whatever good act you do for another person is stripped of any love. So, if you buy, say you buy roses for someone. Oh, that's so nice. But you buy roses for someone so that they will like you more. Or perhaps fall in love with you. Then, if that's the case, the love truck has passed you by and you're not on it. It is only when you buy roses for someone for the sheer joy of making them happy that you've begun to dabble in love. And so, since we are so intrinsically selfish as human creatures, is this kind of love even possible? 
For who among us is genuinely seeking the well-being of other people other than ourselves without expecting or even hoping for something in return? The answer to that question is not very many of us. Love of this caliber seems impossible for, the four, for four following reasons. The first reason is what I call transaction love. Transaction love. Love has become a commodity to be bought and sold. I seek your well-being, sure, but it will cost you. I was reading this Huffington Post article um, entitled, I bought you drinks so you owe me sex. Um, and it's, it's basically just, well, a big, I'll, I'll read a little snippet of it. You'll get the idea. If she doesn't want to sleep with me after I've paid a lot of money for our first date, I'll weigh up the likelihood of that being the case next time because I'll need to cut my losses and find another prospect. These are the words of Ali, age 29, who believes paying for a date entitles him to sex. The night before we speak, says the author of this um, article, he had taken a woman out for dinner and he 100% felt that he deserved her time and attention after picking up the tab. In the business world, no one likes a corporate luncher, he tells me over email. I hope I never meet a girl who agrees to meet because they just want some freebies. But here's the thing, love expressed is free. You don't get anything for the love that you extend to somebody else. That's the whole point of love. And our free market approach to life has all, all but destroyed our ability to love people. I'll, I'll be interested in your well-being, Jen, provided you do something for me, and so on and so forth. That's how it works in our market-driven world. We're interested in relational entrepreneurship, right? I'll take good care of you, but there needs to be some kickback coming to me. And that has all but destroyed our ability to love in agape, biblical type of love. That's the first one. Uh, the second one is feeling love. Madhumidya says, love is not a deal, it's a feel. So just feel the feel. Love has become a feeling that a person has. And love comes and love goes. That's not love. That's just feelings that come and go. That's, there's a big difference. Feelings should not be confused with love. That's a huge mistake when, that, when we make that. And it does leave you ultimately lost and alone. I think feelings are kind of like the, the weather. They have an effect on how you live your life, but they are not your life. It's really important to make that distinction. Like, you know, if it's snowing out, that has an effect on our life, right? We put boots on, we dress up. If it's raining, we put our rain jacket on and our umbrella. Um, and so it does affect our life. That's what feelings do. They affect our life. They affect how we live our life, but they are not our life, right? Even if it's raining, we still carry on with our life. Even if it's snowing, we still carry on with our life. And so when feelings become our life, we become out of balance, like someone whose life is completely controlled by the weather. And so, but I think this is how we operate. We think of love in terms of feeling. And so that, that's another thing that makes agape love or biblical love or divine love impossible in our life. Here's another real easy one, exhaustion. 
There's Sierra every morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I just enjoy. <laughs> okay, so he just admits it. Admits it. Uh, exhaustion, right? We have physical limitations, right? This week, I, I my leg was hurting. And uh, I had a bit of a stomach ache, and I went to bed, and I couldn't sleep. And then I tossed, and I turned, and I got out of bed, and I worked on this and that. And next thing I know, most of the night is gone. Sleep for a couple hours, wake up. I'm kind of grouchy, and I'm kind of tired. I'm physically weak, right? Had a rough, rough night. And so in this state of physical weakness, is it easier or harder to seek the well-being of people other than self without expecting anything in return? Easier or harder? much harder, right? Because when I'm tired, because I have some kind of physical problem, I don't care about you very much, just naturally, right? I'm exhausted. You guys work hard, you come home from a hard day of work, you are exhausted. And so the capacity for you to seek the well-being of another person is just not there by virtue of the fact that you're just tired. That's a reality. Yeah? And then the fourth one, is tragedy. Tragedy. Now, I'm pointing this out again. This is, I'm reading this book right now, Augustine's Confessions. I, I really love this book. And remember the author, the translator, what's his name? Pine Coffin. Pine Coffin. <laughs> who has a name like that? Anyway, that's who translated uh, Augustine from Latin to, to English. Um, Augustine, what was Augustine's big tragedy in his life? It was essentially his dad. Augustine had daddy issues. And um, Patrick was Augustine's dad, and he was a real piece of work. One of the things Augustine said is right here, Yet this same father of mine took no trouble at all to see how I was growing in your sight, God, or whether I was chaste or not. He cared only that I should have a fertile tongue. Basically, Augustine's dad was like, you need to be the most successful orator in all of the Roman Empire, and that's all that matters. And I don't care about teaching you character. I don't care about teaching you morality. I don't care about teaching you right, righteousness or anything. All I care is that you are successful and make a lot of money and make me as your father famous. And so that's... That's how it was. And so there was lots of expectations on Augustine right away. And his dad was basically an unfaithful husband and a drunk. And so Augustine did not like his dad. And it comes up in Confessions. Confessions is basically Augustine's autobiography. You okay? <laughs> so, uh, so this was a great tragedy in Augustine's life. And um, um, I've been reading this book alongside of Confessions right now. This is James K.A. Smith's book, On the Road with St. Augustine, A Real World Spirituality for Restless Hearts, which I'm also enjoying very, very much. Because he talk, he's talking all about Augustine while I'm reading Augustine. So it's a very, very fascinating thing. But Smith picks up on this. And this is one thing that uh, Smith talks about people who struggle with the hole that an absentee dad leaves in their life. Darv? How do you read two books at once? You have like two in your hand. No, no, I, I, yeah, okay. 
How do I read two books at once? I read one, and then I close it, and then I read another one, like that, and then I close it, and I go back and forth. I don't actually, like, do that. <laughs> That's a good question, Barry. So, so this is what James K.A. Smith said about this. Everyone has a computer in their pocket nowadays in a gaping hole where their father should be. And, um, and that, is, that is true of so many people. And so tragedy brings it up. He, he later goes on to quote Bruce Springsteen as saying, the heart of rock and roll is one man's search for his father. And, and Springsteen, who, who knows the industry, realizes that so many people in that industry have absentee fathers or fathers that left big holes in their heart. And so the whole idea behind rock and roll is to try to communicate that, Dad, I'm worth something. So he's searching. That's what Springsteen is saying. I'm searching to, to you know, because there's a hole that's been, been left. And th this is a tragedy. And, you know, as I looked at my, my own life, right, for the first 16 years of my life, I spent it getting angry at my dad because of his inability to love us. And then I met Jesus and I traded hatred in for love. And so even though our family's well-being wasn't my dad's concern, I was able to love my dad. And for the next 25 years or so, I was hopeful that my dad would change. For the next 25 years, I had this, this perpetual source of disappointment coming into my life as I thought, oh, maybe... Maybe there will be a change, and then there wasn't. Maybe there will be a change, and then there wasn't. And then about uh, five years ago or so, something happened, and I realized that even the rudiments of love my dad doesn't have for me and will never have. And that was, that was a crushing. And so in my, own, in my own situation, just like Smith, just like Augustine, just like Springsteen, in my own situation, my relationship with my dad went from anger to disappointment to despair over the course of about 40 years. This is not how it's supposed to be. There's a hole in, in my heart that nothing can close, right? So how does one love truly with all the baggage that goes into life? That's my baggage. Every one of you has some kind of baggage, maybe related to your father, maybe related to your mother, some situation. So everybody has this hole in their heart that tragedy has ripped. And the tragedy of life makes love divine unreachable. Why does tragedy so often make love divine an unreachable thing? Yeah. Well, I think we do wrestle with some of the bigger questions. Augustine, it's funny you mentioned the problem of evil. That's, that was Augustine's lifelong struggle, trying to understand, you know, where evil comes from and all of this. I think on a, on a much more practical level, though, the hole that tragedy rips in us kind of makes us a little bit jaded, right? We're just like, ugh. I don't, have, I, don't, I don't really care, right? Makes us kind of jaded. Makes us, um, it makes us just unable to, um, to, to have that kind of love. Once bit, twice shy, right? Love doesn't grow when you're closed off to people. And tragedy tends to close you off from people. right? Because tragedy usually happens because of a person. And so, um, 
uh, without even realizing it then, what ends up happening is we come to understand love as a transaction or a feeling. We get exhausted by life and our capacity to love goes out the window. We get crushed by tragedy and our ability to love goes out the window. And so in the end, we're like, man, divine love is a really nice idea, but it slips through my fingers like sand. It's just a fantasy. It's not a reality. And so what can, what can be done? What can we do? And divine love is only possible if it actually comes to us. We as humans can't will ourselves to love in a divine kind of way. And this is why the Jesus story is at the center of our faith. Right? Because it is, it's the story of divine love that has come. Divine love that is here. And um, um, this is the celebration of Christmas time. I think I had, uh, I forget, uh, did I? There it is. Love has come down. And that is why the Jesus story is the centerpiece of our faith. When you open your heart uh, to Jesus and divine love begins to penetrate, you'll find yourself becoming more like Jesus in, in these three ways. First of all, love sees. Love sees. Jesus' love actually sees. And I love the stories of Jesus when, when he's um, teaching and the kids are off to the side. And Jesus, what does he say to the kids? Or to the people about the kids? Do you know this part? What? Bring them to me. Let the little children come to me. And let me just say this. It wasn't a photo op to win votes like politicians do today, Right? Right? Oh, give me the little kid. I'll get on the 6 o'clock news. People will think I care about people, and then I'll get votes. No. In, in Jesus' day, kids didn't help, weren't an asset if you wanted to move forward in political power and influence. But he said, no, let them come to me. I want to bless them. Why? Because I, I love them. I love them. Same with the, the, the woman at the well or the blind man on the road to Jericho, right? Um, Jesus saw these people. His eyes were tuned to see other people, especially the unseen ones, the children, the women, the blind. Those were all the unseen people in that culture. And Jesus made pains to actually see them. And so love starts, first of all, when our eyes are open. Are open. I think this is one reason why morning prayers are so important for people who are interested in God. And, you know, my habit has been to sit on the park bench on the seawall. I haven't been doing that for a while because um, uh, it's, it is a walk, but I'm sitting on my couch now because I've got the Christmas tree going and my cat is a cuddle cat. So I sit in the, in the mornings with my cat on my lap looking at the Christmas tree. So I haven't been making it to the park bench lately. And I'm okay with that. Um, but my prayer times, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, God, would you help me see someone who needs your love today? And I'm just sitting there quietly saying, who is it, God? Can you show me someone that needs your love today? And you know what? On Wednesday, it's interesting that you should pray for um, Joan and Jana. Because on Wednesday, I'm sitting there petting my cat, looking at the Christmas tree. God, who do you want me to see? And Joan came to my mind, and Jana came to my mind. And I immediately texted them a prayer, just because I know that this time of year is going to be extremely difficult for, for both of them as their husbands are gone. And um, I just said, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I believe God is doing this. So I sent them prayers. 
via text. And, and, and yes, both of them are very sad. But the prayer that I sent brought them a little bit of encouragement. And that's what, that's what we need to do, right? That's, that's why we need to. So we need to carve out time, I think, to think, to say, God, who, who do you want me to, to minister to in this way? Because Jesus loves, see, Jesus love sees. So why don't, uh, we don't seem to take the time to actually see people. Why is that, do you figure? Okay, we're, we're very self-centered and into our own stuff. We're too distracted. By everyday material things. By everyday material things, yeah. Anything else? Overwhelmed. Okay, overwhelmed. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can look around us and we're like, "Oh, I'm not going to make any difference. I'm overwhelmed, so I just won't do anything." We don't care. We just simply don't care. Yeah. I feel like all of those things are true, but divine love starts when we take a moment and say, "God, who do I need to see?" That's where it starts. Love sees. And so if we could remember that and begin there just by taking a couple minutes each day and saying, God, who is it that I need to love today? The second thing is love hurts. Love hurts. You see this in, um, in Jesus' life a lot. Lazarus, right? When his friend Lazarus died, Jesus is crying. When Jesus enters Jerusalem and he realizes that Jerusalem is hard-hearted and they're not going to do the right thing, he cries for them. When Jesus is on the cross, when he's enduring his great tragedy, you know what he say? You know one of the things he says? is He looks and he sees his mother, Mary, who's there. And instead of thinking about his own pain, yeah? He tells John to take care of his mom. He saw the pain of his mother and tried to make sure that she was taken care of even while he was suffering. And so love does hurt for other people. And so the question to ask is for whom or for who are you hurting? If someone comes to mind in your mind, then divine love is alive in you. And the final idea is love does. Love does. In the end, love is active. Love is active. I'm going to read this uh, passage here. And um, you guys get to read the red. Okay? Dear friends, we should love each other because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has become God's child and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love to us. His one and only son into the world so that we could have life through him. This is what real love is. It is not our love for God. It is God's love for us. His son to die in our place to take away our sins. Ultimately, it was this. Um, it's, well, actually, let's let's ask this question. What what is our problem here in this passage? What is the human's problem here? Sin, right? The human's problem is sin, and what is God's solution to the human's problem according to that verse? Jesus coming and dying, right? So the entire Jesus story is an action story that is 100% for our well-being. 
It's God coming to the rescue. I think it's important to realize that, um, it said, you know how it says here, uh, this is what real love is. It is not our love for God. Our love for God is sometimes flawed, right? We kind of treat God like Santa Claus. God, would you hook me up? I need you to do stuff for me. And, 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 it's, and it's not a pure kind of love. But does God need us to do stuff for him? Not really. No, he is, he is perfect without us. Right? God is perfect without us. But yet he loves us. And so he comes for us. And that's what's so amazing about God's love. And that's what's different between God's love and our love. God's love is perfect. And he comes after us. And so this idea of a father rescuing his son is what won Augustine over to Christianity. Remember Augustine's dad was a putz? <laughs> Remember that? Augustine had this massive hole in his heart where his dad was supposed to be, but then all of a sudden he realized that God was his father. God, unlike his biological dad, had been actively pursuing him out of love all of these years. God in the person of Jesus was coming to the rescue like every father should, and that's what good dads do. I love this picture. There's a good dad. There's a good dad. You see, everyone's ducking out of the way. Everybody doesn't want anything to do with this immediate threat. A baseball bat coming at however many miles an hour at a baseball game. And there's dad. Bam. I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. Everyone's scattering out of the way for self-protection. But this dad says, no, I'll take it. Bam. I love it. This is the gospel in a little snapshot, right? This is the gospel. Jesus, in the, God in the person of Jesus is saying, you know what, I love this person. And even though it's going to cost me, that's going to leave a mark, by the way. Even though it's going to cost me, bam, I'm there. That's what good dads do. That's really what good dads do. They reach out and they protect. They save. They rescue. They help. That's what they do. And Augustine realized, Dar, I'm going to take your question later. Augustine realized that this is what God was doing for him all along. God was rescuing him as a father. Now, perhaps Augustine said... Uh, perhaps Augustine was like, okay, God's my spiritual dad. That's kind of nice. But I need a real dad with skin on. A real dad who can block the bat that's coming to hit me in the head. And then it dawned on Augustine. God had moved Augustine from the town of Hippo to Carthage to Rome to Milan all so that he could meet this guy, Ambrose. Ambrose was the bishop of Milan. And Ambrose took Augustine under his wing. And in Confessions, Augustine says, he was like a father to me. Ambrose was God's gift to Augustine to help fill that hole. And God does that kind of stuff. That's what God does. And as I reflected in my own life, I think of the, the men that God brought into my life to help me. When I was first in college, this guy named Les Olala came into my life and was a tremendous help. Then when I got started in ministry as a single man, there was this guy named Daryl Gross who was a tremendous help to me. And then as I went through seminary and got involved in, in life in, in Minnesota, there was this guy named Craig Murray who poured his life into me. That's why my son's name is Darby Craig. And then for the last 10 years here in 
in Vancouver. Rod Wilkinson has been that person who's really spoken into my life. And, and I see that all of these men are busy and all of these men had their own children to worry about, but yet God in his mercy caused them to become interested in my well-being also. And I see that as God's gift, God's pursuing love for me, for the whole that's in my heart. What a gift. God sent these men into my life because God loves me. God's love is active. It does stuff. Two questions. Who has God sent into your life that has helped fill a hole? Okay. Okay, here's a homework assignment. Thank them this Christmas. Okay, well, there's a lot of love coming to Grandma right now. Yeah. Think about it. Who has helped fill a hole in your life? Realize that that has been someone that an act of God has sent in your direction. And thank them this Christmas. And then the second question, who is God sending you to? So that you can seek their well-being without expecting anything in return and thus continue to spread divine love. Answer that question. Who's God sending you to? Formulate the name of someone in your mind and go be divine love to that person. Without divine love in us, our flimsy human love will be turned into a commodity. It'll be reduced to a feeling. It'll be crushed under the weight of exhaustion and tragedy so it won't see. It won't be bothered to hurt. It will never do enough, so we must ask for help. So I finish this sermon with this Christmas prayer that I want us all to say together in faith. Let's say this together. God in heaven, you gave us the miracle of Jesus. You penetrated our world with divine love. Thank you. Now, good Father, penetrate our hearts again with more of your divine love. Drive out the faulty motivations for our good actions. Wake us up. Give us your strength to love. Heal us from our pain and help us begin again to walk on love's true pathway. The pathway where love sees, love hurts, and love does. Amen.